Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. I don't care how altruistic it is. 
It doesn't matter. You need an economy. Every vision needs an economy to become a venture. I thought that was good. I think I'm going to punctuate that. Every vision needs an economy to become a venture. That is part of what I teach and present in Money is a Spirit. Oftentimes, we forget that God starts with seeds. We talked a little bit ago, Ashley, about how every huge animal starts with a little seed. Little, the hugest animal, little seeds, in comparison to what the animal actually will grow to be. Everything starts little, it starts spiritual, it starts with the seed. Remember that. And then write it down and then go right over to www.kingdombelieversummit.info and register. It's worth it. You know, we've been taught so much, actually, about how to just pray for money. We don't know how to pursue it. Ooh, there's a statement. And not only do we not know how to pursue it, we don't know how to prepare for our answers. Yeah. You have to prepare for your prayer to be answered. You know, it's, it's that woman who's pregnant. Well, I'll just wait till the baby comes and then decide what I'm going to do with the room and buy some furniture and all of those kinds of things. First of all, babies are unpredictable because they can come early just because they come early and or because God changed their birth date. So we have got to think that way. Join us. This is a wonderful event. It's, again, that website address is www.kingdombelieverssummit.info, and you will have a blast. I can't even wait to get there. We're going to go tonight. We're popping in tonight just because we want to be a part of the kickoff. So we are popping in tonight. Be nice if you I can meet some of my social media friends and family there. It's only, you know, if you're in Kansas, it's a drive. You know, in Oklahoma City, shorter drive, other parts of the area, and still, it's very accessible. It's not too late to change your destiny, to convert your fate into a destiny. It's not too late. So, that was good. Now, having done the immediate, we need to reach out to just a few weeks from now, a couple of weeks from now, what is it, about three? Yes. About three weeks from now, our annual Apostolic Summit, New Era Apostleship Summit. I am thrilled about this year because this year it's all about you. We have apostleship in the title. We have apostolic in the theme. But rest assured, it is all about you. It's about you becoming an apostolic Christian. And so the dates are... November 15th through the 18th, we have our dignitaries dinner on the 15th where you can come and dress up and, you know, put on your high-class frocks. And then we kick off the event with establishing New Era Apostleship, hallelujah, with our council and our prophetic guard, and also installing our new board of directors for Price University. I'm, this is amazing. You're going to love it. 
Now, after we do that, then we get into discipling apostolic Christians, how and why they need to be discipled, how and why it takes apostles and prophets to do that discipling. Oh, hallelujah. You know, because you have to start meeting the founder of our faith before you meet your faith that's founded on him. Many of you have your faith is in the name of Jesus. I do. I love him. He's just a great guy. I, I just love Jesus. He's our Savior. We love this man. Others are, I, I love him, and I love his, his teachings. I love his word. I love the Bible. Most, most Christians have not read the Bible enough to really say they love it. They just like what they've learned. That's like going to your favorite restaurant, knowing that they are a top-shelf, five-star restaurant, and going there saying their food is good, and you get the same dish every time you go. That's exactly what we do to the Bible. You go and get the same dish, your, your favorite, your pets, and whether it's uh, appetizers, main course, or what, even dessert. But you keep going because you like the environment, you like the service, you like the ambiance, you like how they make you feel so special, and you like how they prepare your favorite dish your way. But you go out after you've gone to that restaurant and tell everybody how wonderful it is, and people ask you, what else do they have? I don't know. I never know. I get the same thing. How is their food? Uh, well, what I get is wonderful. But you can't speak for the rest of the menu. I think that's a very interesting point, don't you, Prophet Ashton? I do. I think it's very important because that's, that really is how we think. Mm-hmm. It's the, the top favorite ones, the ones that mean the most to us, and because, <clears throat> excuse me, because we are sold on salvation mm-hmm. as our personal Savior, what Jesus Christ came to do for us. We rarely get that. We don't. And you really can't speak for him because you can't even speak about how Jesus saves. So you t- your salvation but it, <laughs> mainly is about how he saved you. So thus, your salvation is your personal testimony, which makes him your personal Jesus. But Jesus said, I came to save the lost, to seek and save the lost. I came as Savior of the world. You know, it's important that you as a Christian understand your salvation does not become the standard by which people get saved. It's Jesus' methods that become the standard. That's why we can't figure out. That's why we can tell people, anybody who mentions Jesus, oh, yeah, he's saved because he just loves the Lord. How do you know that? You know the words coming out of his mouth. And according to Proverbs 22, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. He, and his heart will say, eat and drink, but his ways are far from you. That's, I, I was writing that because I'm, I'm finishing my book, and I was writing that, and all of a sudden it hit me that people will say all manner of things, happy things, pleasant things out of their mouth, but it is what their soul believes that determines who they are and dictates how they will act to you when there's a conflict between what's coming out of their mouth and what the will of their soul is. I like doing this job. I like being an apostle. I love serving Jesus. I sometimes sit down and write and say, Lord, you know, 
I like doing this for you. Or when I'm teaching or when I'm researching or, 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 or when I'm doing anything because, you know, Jesus is my honey. And so I like doing this, but I like doing it for the result. Many people like ministry for the experience. I don't even think about the experience because, well, mine hasn't always been so great. It just started turning to the great zone. You know, we've been in okay zone a long time, but I like doing this for Jesus' results. When you are really a servant and it is important to you to serve whom God assigned you to, then what you feel what you, your experience or any of all, take second place to the outcome they expect from you and the output it takes to get that outcome. Are you all listening to me out there? I want you to think about that. And as I go on, write your thoughts on that statement. Because you have been taught your experience determines whether or not you serve the Lord or whether you continue, or whether or not you endure to the end, or as Paul told Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier. You have been taught that it's all about you and what you determine to give God. We've got millions and millions of churches where people say, yeah, well, you know, I used to have a so-and-so, but I don't do that any longer. You know, my family came first. My job got in the way. You know, my, my disappointment just made me cease to do it. That's not servanthood. That's aid. And aid is always considered to be temporary. So many of you all who are thinking you're servants, you're not. You are aids. You are aiders of God's purpose. And where you can pitch in, you pitch in. And where you have extra funds, you give it. But Jesus Christ's end goal, objective, never enters the picture because you're helping his church. But his vision, not happening. Not happening. I ask about visions all the time, particularly in my coaching and counseling company. I always ask about visions because I want to know from what pot is that vision coming from? Are we talking about, the particularly in ministry, well, my, my vision is to see a thousand souls saved. Why is that your vision? How can you carry it out? A thousand souls saved today. A million souls saved. We had all of those things. I've walked in churches. They got them pastored all over the walls. And two-thirds of the people are helping out when they can. They're aged. Two-thirds of the people cannot talk about the vision. And if they talk about it, they can't, talk, they can't walk it out. They can't talk about the mission. They can't even talk about how their church affects the Christ ecclesial embassy around the world. We don't even think like that. That's why you can turn on Jesus. Folks can turn on Jesus because he's never been made real or personal to them. Then he might be your personal Jesus as, a, as an icon, as a statue, as a teraphim, even as an aspiration. But he is not, your, his personhood is not a part of your salvation. So he's your personal Jesus. But his personhood has no place in your world. And that's many people. Because for Jesus' personhood to matter, your thoughts cannot be about him. He says emphatically in Isaiah 55, 
11, my thoughts are not your thoughts. In other words, in Isaiah 50, he goes to the point of saying, guys, our breakdown is that you don't think like me and you don't like how I think. You realize that if God sat you down, let's say Sunday night before you went to bed, let's say you, you didn't watch the news, you just sat down in your private corner, you grabbed your Bible as you like to do, and you kind of waited there and meditated on the Lord to see where he would take you. And then you put a question to him. Instead of a prayer, you put the question to him, Lord, what is standing between us? What about me conflicts with you? And what about you conflicts with me? You would be surprised to find out that God's going to start at, you don't know me. You know, we ask why God can't do things in a person's life unless he knows them. But there's a Cyrus in the book of Isaiah who said, God said, I made you who you are. I raised you up even though you don't know me. I raised you up for my, pur- for my purpose. When we think about Matthew 7, Ashley, we think about when he says, I never knew you, and God did all of those things. We act as if God's emotions are tied to God's objectives. And God can be very emotionless about a lot of things. So do you know for a fact that you and God are even compatible? Because the way of the church is today is woefully incompatible with God. They're incompatible with him, and they, they are not even in favor of his ownership of creation, of his godhood. We're not even caring about that. That's why you have all of these things that are happening. These pastors have told you a whole lot of things that are their pets, their preferences, their peas, have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, and you never checked it out, even though the Holy Ghost tweaked you on the inside. You know, we get the little tweak. That didn't feel right. It's like a, 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 a bad food going down the wrong way. That didn't go down right. And so you are sitting there following your pastor's issues with Christ, conforming to your pastor's alternative to those issues with Jesus Christ. That's what Jeroboam did. Jeroboam had real issues. Just key it up. You know, today I can call a name and you all can go find it. Jeroboam had severe issues with Yahweh that he inherited from Solomon. I know you, didn't you like that? How about a punctuation? One, one. Punctuation. Yeah. something. He had, Solomon had turned on the, his covenant God as a king and turned to all of the other deities that God had delivered his people from way back in the beginning. And he turned on them, he turned on him because he had a woman fetish. He loved women. He loved females. See, you think that they fell for something else. No, he loved women. And all of them, and 700 wives, there's a lot of whining in your ear. And the concubines on top of that. So he literally gave every wife what she wanted. She wanted a shrine for her national God. 
she, she really did. And because she wanted a shrine for her national God in order to appease these whining, crying, pushy women, he built one. So, in effect, the entire landscape of the, the country became littered with his wives' personal shrines, temples, and altars. So by the time Jeroboam got on board, he didn't have a choice. He really didn't have much of a choice. So we, because we don't do that, we 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 hop on the, the on the second generation and the the effect before we think of cause. Christians are not accustomed to thinking cause. They'll ask why, but they're not interested in cause. And so. Solomon, now, so think about it. He has uh, 700 wives and however many thousand concubines. So literally almost three to 5,000 sites in the country offered an alternative to the God that brought them in existence and set them free. You know, we talk about, you know, all of the many churches and things like that. Hey, that's not a new concept. So he does this because all these crying women have had issues converting to his national faith. So they refuse to convert. These are unconverted queens with the authority to affect culture and how life is done in that world. So after a while, I'm sure it became, I'm sure after the first 50 or so, it became a habit, new wife, new religion, new altar, new temple. You want to know how we got here. Remember, it was Solomon who said, there's nothing new under the sun. That which is has already been. So by the time it, it, it's time for um, Solomon to die, the, hey, it's a popery. Religion, worship, deities, popery. You can pick whatever one. It's a do-it-your-own-way. We have something for you. But he effectively wrenched God's nation from his grip, using his seat of authority to do so. So God says to Jeroboam, who is his number one guy, Jeroboam is brilliant. He's a strategist. He's a militarist. He is a tactician. He is great. He's good with people. The people love him. The Bible calls him industrious, or a word that is like that. So Jeroboam, while Solomon is having a blast with all of these women, he's clearly not running the country. That's a lot to keep up with. So Jeroboam is winning the country and stepping in in his place. Well, of course, God knows this. I mean, he's watching it. He understands it. it was, he's seen it before it began. And so when it comes time for Solomon to die, God visits Jeroboam. Now, remember, it, the, the throne is supposed to pass down the line to the next kin, but God jump, jumps out of it, and he chooses Jeroboam, thus shifting his kingship or his monarchy to another lineage. And he says to Jeroboam, listen, if you do this and if you do that, I'll be with you. Well, he has to have these words because God's got to make him a king because he isn't. 
So he's got to literally verbalize and instill and install his sovereignty and monarchy in Jeroboam's soul to make him what he is. And so he says, if you do this and if you do that, and he gives him a whole long dissertation, it's very, very long, and he makes Jeroboam a lot of promises. Knowing that Jeroboam is an offshoot of Solomon, God at least has to give him a chance to be motivated to do differently, to do right, to be his servant. He already knows that he won't because he's already doing sly things to Solomon, but Solomon is too caught up in his, his euphoria to notice. So he does. He does a wonderful job. He gives to Solomon, you know, you can, I'm going to do this, and I'll be with you, and I'll make your name great, and on and on and on. So Jeroboam literally had an opportunity for the monarchy, Israel's monarchy, to rest in his line. But God knew it wasn't too much of a risk because the guy is addicted to the culture that is. So the likelihood of Jeroboam having some sort of, you know, unexpected passion for God's truth and righteousness, very slim. So he goes, and Jeroboam is made king. And, you know, it's really interesting how that happened because you would, like, you would think Solomon cared. The fact that it could pass to Jeroboam and Solomon not care about the rest of his brothers is pretty tough. Now, one of the brothers, I mean, it did pass because one of them stood up and it was a battle. But here's what happened. Jeroboam liked Solomon's deviant model. And Solomon's deviant model actually included all of those other deities, etc. And when you read it, it's an abominable story. And most times, it's, you know, you can talk about, well, you know, uh, we just give you a Bible, a Bible that you can understand. No, you can't, because this insight, you won't think, because you need a very particular framework and mindset to see all of these nuances in that very abbreviated version of what happened. So Jeroboam finally realizes, I don't want these people to go to Jerusalem, because if they go there, they're going to fall in love with Solomon's uh, king, um, I believe it's Rehoboam, and then they're going to leave me, and then what am I going to have? And so Solomon, I mean, Solomon's gone. Jeroboam does something very industrious, very uh, tactical, even if it is very destructive. Jeroboam goes to all of those little altars that are out there and all those high places that those wives had, and he said, hey, what if I pull you into this religion? What if I make each and every one of you a religion and then take all of your, your servants and all of your ministrants and make them priests? So when the passage says that he made priests of all the demons, those demons were already in place, and they were already manipulating and dominating the spiritual climate. Because we act like he went and did something foreign. Where'd they come from? They were already there. We know that there were at least two to 3,000 of those, those temples on the various high places in the land, in the country, all authorized by Solomon all officiated by his wife, by a wife. Is this talking to you all out there? Are you grasping the, the similarity between that account and today's Christian climate? 
choked people. It said he made priests of the high places, and he assigned priests to demons, a particular demon. You are the priest of this, that, and on and on and on. He did that, and then afterwards he fired every uh, priest of Israel, every true priest. He fired them, and he not only fired them, he put a contract on them. They had to go underground so that they wouldn't fight for their position. They put a contract on them. And so they were terrified and were driven underground. Because he had to eliminate the competition, but he also had to eliminate the conflict. Because yet still, you know, one could chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. So he understands I've got to get rid of these true priests. And so they go bankrupt, they have no job, they lose their homes, their families suffer, the whole thing happens. Thus, how you bankrupt the ministers of the gospel. So in order to, to survive, they go back to their careers, whatever those careers were, if that was available. And so moving on, so then he begins to obviously advertise, you don't have to go that far, Here's your, you can worship this, you don't have to give up your, your drugs, you don't have to give up your alcohol, you don't have to give up your witchcraft, you don't have to give up your homosexuality, you don't have to give up your lewdness, you don't have to give up your, your paganism, you don't have to give up anything. I'm king of the land, and God wouldn't have made me king if I was not approved by him. So the people are happy. Wow, I'm glad we can get out on this show. We can steal, we can lie, we can cheat, we can kill. There's crime. We can go back to our criminal ways and our, you know, destructive ways. All of that was because of how those particular deities ran their nation. And now they're in God's nation. Sound familiar? Because you want to know how we got here. And oftentimes people don't know. And so what Jeroboam did was pander to the people's liberty, release their libertinism, and then empowered all of those demons to take over the people groups in his land, to persuade them, to teach them, to etc. No doubt, and if we can say it because it's true, criminality arose. And, and it, the crime became huge in the land, unjust judges, wicked leaders, very um, uh, merchandising politicians, and on and on and on we go. Why? Because that's all liberty from Christ will, will give you. You don't have an alternative. You don't, you're not, if you could say it's better now that I left Jesus Christ. No, it isn't. You just are now blinded to how horrible it is. So, because it's all, it's a, it's a flesh. It's, it's all about your flesh. So as we go on and look at um, discipling apostolic Christians, we need to look at what we're discipling from and to. And also, saints need to recognize Jesus Christ did not save you to be you. Salvation is never about you retaining your natural personality, appetites, etc. Salvation is always about changing you. People who are saved and unchanged are not saved. 
you if you five years in this thing and you still doing the same thing you did, you still shacking with the same woman. You're still having the same uh, party nights. You're still out in the clubs and whatnot. You're not saved. You're churched. You're churched. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're a churchian. You like the experience of Sunday morning Christ after Saturday morning Satan. You love that. You like me. I mean, it's kind of like Halloween. Halloween is, okay, all Hallows Eve. So Halloween was brought up because of people having one night of purge before they turned themselves over to righteousness. It, and it literally started out that way. And so it was initially to put to death all of your little mortal stuff, and now it became the, the tool of death to keep you from salvation, to keep you from sanctification. Oh, sure, okay. Is that all right? So you think Halloween is about having fun, putting on costumes and all of those kinds of things. That's not how it began. It began, which is why it can't come away from that spiritual root. It began as giving, it's kind of like that movie Purge. Halloween is kind of like that movie Purge. You get one night to act the full, purge all your stuff, let it all happen, tear up who you want, destroy who you will. You get one night because the next day is Repentance Day. The next day is sanctification. So you have All Hallows Eve, which if it's an Eve, there has to be an All Hallows Day, or as they call it, All Saints Day. But are you saints of God or are you saints of Satan? So here we are. We're coming up on Halloween, and uh, and it blows my mind, all of the churches that are celebrating it, we're just going to say trunk or treat track or treat, when Satan means tramp or treat, or tramp as your treat. And so you literally, all of you all figure, well, we don't do all of that stuff. You don't have to do, you don't, you don't do all of Jesus Christ and still call yourself a, a practicing Christian. So your deeds can't be the only reason why you excuse yourself for participating in Satan's birthday, which they call the holiest day of the year. So his day of death and doom, deception, um, abomination, and all of those things are considered the holiest day of the year, and you put and dress your children up like that. You literally dress your children. Now, we can't do Christmas in church, but they can do Halloween in church. Oh, how how has the mighty fallen? We have fallen from our place. My kids used to do that. They, I'm telling you, and it was hard for me because my kids were perfect attendant kids. My kids used to do that. When they said they had a uh, Halloween party, I said, my child will sit in the, the, present, in the principal's office. We'll sit where the detention is because we don't serve devils. And I don't know who gave the, the public schools of America the right to make us devil worshipers. Now that gets a hit. That's why they're dying. That's why people are taking them out, taking their children out. That's why they're losing money. Because folks are like, we may not be able to stop you becoming devil worshipers and you becoming destructive forces and criminal centers of criminality, but we don't have to put our kids in that. And more and more people are like, we're going online. 
That way I can control the morals of my kid, and I can control the faith of my child, and I can control the religions of my child because you've got schools teaching your children religions you don't believe in. You haven't walked over to your school to see how they're being converted to darkness and converted to doom and converted to sin and converted to crime and converted to sacrilege. You haven't walked over there because if you knew, your children would not be there. I prophesied almost 20 years ago that God was going to judge the public school system because we gave them good money and they gave us this. Selah. He told me, he said, if, if, if any other institution had, given, had been given that much money and produced that many unsuited for society and that many, literally, that many uh, destructive people or citizens, we want, a, we want an audit and our money back. I think somebody needs to do an audit. You need to audit what we got for our money. Let's audit them in terms of sexuality. Let's audit them in race in the schools. Let's audit them about the vulgarity. Let's audit them about the drugs. Let's audit them because we gave you good money and you gave us criminals. Amen. You know, I said it. It's the truth. And somebody needs to make them answer up for what they've given us. They're just destroyers of society. And I don't think it's just them. I think a lot of universities, but at least you get a choice about a university. And now the latest thing is that we're going to make them devil worshipers and Satanists because, after all, they're in the public school system. How is that in the public's interest? That is not that. Public school has lost its way and it's lost its agenda and it has become a hotbed for deviant behavior, perverse kids, and future criminalists. And that's why they're suffering. And as far as I'm concerned, until they get back on their initial mandate, they need to, like any other business who has given us a bad return on our good investment. Return on investment. It's just that simple. Because I'm, I'm not sending my kid to school for you to teach them how to draw deities. I didn't teach them to school for you to teach them about homosexuality. And here their little sexual organs haven't even awakened yet, and you're already programming their consciousness for sex. I didn't teach you. I didn't send my kid to school for that. I did not send my kid to school to be raped in the hallways. I didn't send my school kid to school to be. You realize that we move out of neighborhoods for those reasons. You don't have to. You all are sending your kid to a dangerous environment every day, and you moved out of the neighborhood for the same reason. You moved into a safe neighborhood and sent them to a vile school. Absolutely. Absolutely. You sent your child there, so your kids got to be raped, they got to be robbed, they got to be plundered, they got to be penniless, they got to be bullied, whatever. Where is the education happening? And they're learning, they're learning to be fearful and paranoid, full of panic attacks, full of all kinds of trauma. Some of these kids in these schools are suffering from PTSD, just from the school they go to. And you know why I know that? Because I went to those schools. Because in my neighborhood and in my area, that's where you went. And you're scared to go to the bathroom because you know, don't know who's going to get you in the bathroom. And you got three security people who's supposed to cover, what, 300 children. No, you don't care about our kids and you don't care about our future because you won't acknowledge all of the impediments to their education. 
and we need you to acknowledge those impediments and, and alter that. I'm telling you, parents, I'm telling you, you need to find out the true day-to-day climate of your kids. Drugs, homework stolen, lunch money stolen. They live under thievery. We got movies about mean girls in the school. Can you imagine what they glorify that with a movie so that your students in your school will know how to batter the weaker students in that place? That's sad. We have given them classes on how to batter, how to abuse, how to paranoid, how to make them scared, how to cause them to commit suicide, how to make them cut themselves, all of that stuff in an environment. Because parents, if your workplace was like that, you would not go. You would find another job. And yet you send your children into those hell holes every single day for what's supposed to be an education, and we are so far below the global norm, it's embarrassing. And yet we still dole out our little tax monies and then go on and, and try to find what. No, I'm sorry. You send your children into crime. Those are neighborhoods of crime. And I'm telling you, and the fact that they don't have enough money to preserve your child or to keep your child safe speaks a lie. You can't let devils in. You cannot let those, those spirits in. And, and because they're, of course, intellectuals, of course, uh, but when they're really not, a lot of those teachers are devil worshipers, and your children are being brought into it. You know, my issue with the devil is not just that, okay, he's God's problem. My issue with the devil is that he is the consummate of the destruction of humanity, of creation, in the exact same way, antithetically, as God is the consummate righteousness of love and truth. And you all saying, well, that's free will? No, this, these people are doing it. Why are your schools being shot up? Why do we have to have police officers running? Why do we have to do that? And then your children come out, and then it's a, it, it becomes a, a, real, uh, a real social destruction cocktail. We've got schools, we've got neighborhood, we've got social media, and we've got entertainment. And you wonder why your kid is in trouble. In those environments, they can't even learn. That child that just got bullied in the bathroom can't even hear what the teacher's saying. Can't wait to get out of school. While the teachers are teaching, the kid is trying to find out how to get out of school safely. Do I go in the basement? Do I go through the, the janitorial room? Do I go here? Now, you know, locked up all of the rooms. The kids don't have a choice. This is horrible. And this is the purveyors of Halloween. This is the resistors of Christianity, the repudiators of Bible. Because you can say all you want. If you go back and do a, a, a 50, 70-year study, you're going to find that the less we had of Christianity, the more we had of hell. Uh, the worst y'all could say is that, yeah, well, you know, y'all had no fun. But look at all the fun you're having and the cost of fun. The cost of fun. I am so a proponent of protecting my kids. I'm a mama. When my kids were, when I was uh, younger and my kids were going to school, you, uh-uh, my job was to see to it that they were safe. Half of you parents don't even know how unsafe your child's school is. And if you do know, you're frustrated because you're like, what can I do? I mean, what can I do? What, what can I do? Well, get online to all of these online schools that are popping up. And a lot of churches are, are promoting them, and a lot of churches are going toward that way. Get online 
and, and safeguard your child because it's your child's psyche and your child's soul that must be protected. It's your child's welfare and safety that should be uppermost in your mind because it's not in these schools. I don't care how well-meaning these people are, and there's some beautiful, wonderful, well-meaning people trying to fight this thing, but this thing is a spew. And that spew is flooding all over that sphere. And thus, saturating and also conditioning these children, these students, to be the solidarity of that spew in public life, in jobs, workplaces, etc. So yeah, I am. I'm, I'm one of those people. I think I think that a lot of folks happen. I remember my days of pub, public school. Think about this. You watch a lot of shows, Ashley, right? How many shows do you hear people say, "I hated school, hated it," and people thought they hated it because of the academia? No, they hated it because of the raucousness. They hated it because of the bullying. They hated it because of the the assault, the attack, the theft, and the abuse. And most people today say the public school experience is horrible. But we don't, what do we have as an alternative to it? Well, we now have online. Don't we have online? Is that a good thing? It is a good thing. And what would you recommend that parents could or should do to push back on this? Somebody posted how um, in her son's school they turned the gym into yoga and meditation. Uh-huh. What are some things that parents can do if they're keeping their kids in public school for whatever reason? Um, to make noise about this and mm-hmm. push for change? The first thing that I would do is exercise my authority as a parent and say I am in control of religion. So they need to get a religious release from me. The first thing I would make them do is give me a religious release because yoga is a religion. I don't care how much they tell you what it is. It's a part of Buddhist religion, and it's a part of a Buddhist practice. So the first thing I would require, which is what I did, I need you to get a release from me. When you introduce these new things, I need to be notified and I need to sign off on them, or I need to get a, give you a release, one or the other. But I will not just sit there and say, what are you going to do? Um, one woman was talking about how they, um, no, who was it? Somebody telling me recently how you know, they're doing all of these yoga practices. People, do your homework. Yoga is a religion. It's a religious practice. It's a religious rite, a ritual. That's why they do it the way they do it, humming and all of the candles and all of those kind of temple-like Thing is a religious ritual. So the first thing you want to do is command that demand that child, that school to recognize that they are teaching your child a religion. I don't care who reclassified it; it's a religion. And when you talk to the real yogas, they're gonna tell you it's part of their religion because they do it religiously. So we don't want that religion now. And I and then the second thing I would do is demand that they give every religion an opportunity or take it out of the school. That means Islam ought to have a free ride, Buddhism, you know, the, um, the uh, uh, what is it, Brahmins ought to have a free ride, Christianity, uh, every religion ought to have a place. So you're going to set that up, and some schools do. But I want you to understand, you need to sign off and get my permission to change my child's religion. The second thing I would do is begin, and I think right now that's a good rallying point. It is a religion. Do your homework. Get the data. Get the research. And then also look at all of the former yogi yogi people because a lot of them will tell you what the problem is. Don't just look at who's doing it and who's trending. Look at who's also suffering and regretting. Go to those regret, regret sites and build your case and say, but this is a religion and my child's a Christian. 
And if you can't, if I, if my child can't pray, you cannot force my child to meditate or pray silently to another God. That's my statement, and that's what I really think needs to be. Was there another question? That was my question. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, ooh. But, it, but isn't it so? I know. I, I did the study. And the higher up you go in yoga, the more you take on other spirits. What did that man say on the call? He goes into rooms. Yeah. Remember on the yeah. blog talk a few weeks back, he was deep into that, to yoga, and now he goes into other rooms. You need to also find out all the steps of yoga because your, your school is trying to be an initiation center to initiate your child to Buddhist religion. Tibetan religion. That's what they want to do. And, I, I, and I'm thinking, well, why do they get a chance in the curriculum? I should have one. I got some good initiation things, too. And I want to say this to you, those of you who are listening. Nothing in Christianity, which is what makes it so different, nothing in Christianity tells you to blank out your mind. Not one thing tells you to blank your mind out. God says, set yourself apart, be silent, and be still and listen. He does not tell you to blank yourself out. There is no, no hum. We don't just hum. Mm. There is none of that. With God, it's He wants your mind filled with his knowledge. And so he speaks his holy language in your mind when you're still so that you are educated and enlightened. Enlightenment can't not, name another place in the world where enlightenment comes from being isolated, alone, quiet, and humming. And that enlightenment then, if that's the case, physiologically, psychologically speaking, that enlightenment, that light, if it doesn't come from Jesus Christ, the light of the world, then it is the light of darkness. And then what's step one? What's step two? What's stage three? What's stage four? These are these people's religion. Those little yoga pants, that is a religious bar. That is them celebrating and also modeling their religion, which tells you somehow or another it's all about sex, somehow or another it's all about the booty, or somehow or another it's all tied together. I think that it is very interesting in a homosexual era that everything is about the booty. Everything, tight pants, thin pants, big butt, short shirts, everything is about the behind. Why is that so? And how is it that even, even in that thing, that psychological and that subtle, pervasive acceptance of anal sex is shown in all of that? Your turn. Come on. She said, sure, now, now I got to come over. But, you know, we think that the enemy works overtly. That is a, that is a covert way of tell, letting people yeah. celebrate the buttocks. Yeah. So why would you want to celebrate the buttocks to whose benefit? Well, and everywhere you turn, you are literally, well, don't slide over too much. Oh, yeah, because um, I fall off. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say it's your show. Come on, Dana Frank. Okay. Uh, well, everywhere you turn, you are literally looking in somebody's behind. Everywhere. You and can't get away. Short. We're short people. So we got button face all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Every time you turn around, you got another button in your face. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Oh, it's, it's, 
but you know, the thought is, my hope is that they see the spiritual tactic, the spiritual strategy. The strategy is to cause a fixation and fascination with the Baha'i so, and to make it appealing enough for it to pass through every other guard and every other barrier to anal sex. Well, you wrote an amazing white paper on homosexuality, what, in 2010? Maybe? Yeah, it's not that seven years I ago. I think it's available on your online store, maybe. Prophet Adia will be able to tell us. But it was powerful because you did not just go off on some hot button. You know, Dr. Price is going to do her homework. Uh, you did the statistics. You did the fallout. You went into pedophilia. I mean, you broke down all of God's issues with why this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And so here we are now where this has gone from being an agenda, in a controversy, to an institution. Oh, yeah. And law. Exactly. And these things are still falling out. I mean, we fight for things that we don't realize because we're not because we're trying to feel. How and do you not feel think. and not think? And so, if you're not thinking, you're not researching, mm-hmm. and you're not looking into consequences. You're not looking into other societies mm-hmm. who have pushed this, and other times and eras that have pushed this, and it has totally blown up. It, it, it never fails to. Every single time. It never fails to. And the reason that it has to blow up is because at its root, it's destructive. Its consequences are destructive, however long it takes, and that destruction becomes uh, the contamination of a society that, because of it, self-destructs. Self-destructs. I mean, you talk about having to clean your hands to, after you change your baby's diaper. Yes. Wash your hands after you've gone to the bathroom or whatever, and yet we have a literal institution Mm -hmm. that celebrates and engages in handling fecal matter. Yes. We just read that article with that woman. And she, this article, remember? I remember. She so tried to downplay it. But it is poo. At the end, she had to put it in there somewhere. Cause it, it will be poo. It will be poo, just, you know, because you are dealing with the poo area. Yes. But she also validated my state all the way statement, because at the end she said, what? Everybody has a butt Everyone. See, Everybody has a butt, which means that no matter what your gender, mm-hmm. you can participate yes. in these vile acts because everybody has a butt, and poo, and poo is okay. It's okay. Well, you just can't get around it. You can't get around it. Just poo. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> save us from ourselves. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, so Come on, back to today. <laughs> Um, addressing Halloween, I'm going to edit that out okay. and promote that, that piece on Halloween. Because, again, having somebody who does their homework, and we, we, so we pick and choose what we want to go back to and believe and what we just need to move forward. So if it's something like this, oh, come on, that was then, this is now the blood of Jesus, right? And then if we pick another uh, topic or issue, let's just say all this racial drama mm-hmm. that is going on. No, no, we have to stick to the facts. We have to stay in history. We have to do whatever, and that's part of our argument for today. And so we can't pick and choose. No, we want what we want to. We do. And so I appreciate you even revealing even more about the history of Halloween mm-hmm. and the point and what the point still is. 
I mean, we teach our kids every other day of the year, be truthful, be yourself, be an individual, don't pretend. Fight fear. Fight fear. Don't, don't talk to strangers. Don't be negative. Don't be negative. All right. Don't eat a lot of junk. Don't eat junk. Don't no. take anything from Don't go. Don't do it. Don't take stuff from nope. strangers. No. Nope. No. Self-control mm-hmm. every other day except this day and then the following days because you have all that junk, so you have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then going in people's homes and, and, and assuming that what the treats are going to give you, and the more macabre our society is, the more dangerous yes. their treats are yes. on this Halloween. People you know. get really creative. Mm-hmm. And let, but, but let's talk. Can we just talk about it for just a moment more? Of course. Why is everything about Halloween death? Yes. It's all about darkness, yes. doom, death. And decay. Come on, write that down. Darkness, Darkness doom, death, death and, and decay. decay. So if it's all about that, where is its? I won't even use. I want to use the word redemptive, but where is its benefit to anybody that we spend a whole night rollicking and frolicking in death? Zombies. And, you really don't see happy Halloween films. There are not. Well, but they tried to make a few, but it can't be recognized as Halloween if the skeleton has skin. Yeah. You realize that? Yeah. If we don't have the skeleton doesn't have skin, the little infected bat doesn't do that, the zombie has color in their yes. face, kinda won't so you're work. Not a zombie. Kinda won't kinda won't work. <sighs> but everything about Halloween is death. It's doom. It's fear. It's terror. You tell our kids not to be it how Halloween is the most terroristic thing that we have in America and keep it going. Now, you want to kill terrorists other ways, but you give everybody a free shot that night. Yes. Yes. It's it is, competition. It's who can scare you the most. I scare you, and then it's about blood. Everything is about blood. This one, blood and saliva. Blood and saliva. This here stuff going out your mouth. This one here, blood running out of eyes and carrying on. And we say that's okay. Now, if that's the way the world does it, hey, their God is who it is, and I, I won't mess with that. But Christians who name the name of Jesus Christ, follow a holiday of the dead. My mom used to come and take us out of school. So the first half was, no, but this is before I went to my Christian school. Uh, first half was school. Second half was the, the, the parade of costumes mm-hmm. and whatever. Bye, guys. And we, uh-huh. and we didn't care. I mean, race, I think parents sometimes care too much about what their kids think. We were raised in an environment where we believed that God's ways were right. <laughs> and so not participating in that was fine with us. It was like, bye, because I don't really want to do this anyway. Exactly. Light. I was watching, um, I forget one of these shows, and they had, you know, all of the haunted mansions, hands, disembodied hands, and disembodied feet. And I keep thinking, does anybody want to wake up and say, you know, this is stupid? Because... If you've got a disembodied hand, that means that a crime has been committed. Yeah. Well, and you won't let your kids go see these films or these things any other day. First of all, the theaters tell you they're too young mm-hmm. to do it without you. And we understand in every other context, for the most part, they're scary. why that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about the mental health results of it. You're talking about, but there is something else about it, the absolute unleashing of all restraints. 
So people will do things to each other and do things to themselves or for their dark pleasure that they would never do any other time. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that there's a lot of suffering and sorrow, a lot of, 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 of assaults that go along with this Halloween thing. But I keep thinking, but why is it that Christians want to leave the light for the darkness, want to leave life for death, want to leave a paradise for doom, and want to leave total healing for decay and corruption. Because do you know what, if all of those things were real, do you know how that smells? Yes. That stinks. But we know what our trash that, that needs to be taken out smells like. I mean, it's a vile thing. I can understand what God's issue It's vile. Just because you don't put your kids in it, your fact that you will also defend it means that you are authorizing the spirits of this thing to stay in uh, position. Wow. And then to dominate. We got Halloween stores, stores to die. And you're a nation that say you want to live. Everybody, oh, no, I don't want to die. I'm too young to die. He's just nine. And yet you've got an annual, annual homage or homage you pay to death. And you do it happily. Bring your family through it. Yep. I said, but I thought you wanted to live. So you sit there and pander and, and placate the spirits of death and doom. And decay. I knew that's where she was going. Okay. Goodness. Backing up into Solomon and Jeroboam. And again, the backstory, filling in the gaps and making plain how the things don't just happen. Always a problem. Yeah, we just looked up and kind of like we do the church today. Wow, how do we just how do we get so far off base? How did how did that happen? And then you go back and trace and do your homework mm-hmm. and your research in, in uh, addressing Solomon and his love for women. Basic. You know, Basic. women are never how many people? Trustworthy. How many people do we know sell it on God for a spouse, for a boyfriend, for a mm-hmm. girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Too many times. And then setting them up as the king, mm-hmm. not a guy with a bunch of wives, mm-hmm. as the king. So they can legally have a place for their gods to be established. In his land, in, in his, his realm. Scary stuff. I think every leader needs to have these type of lessons, every church leader for sure. Mm-hmm. Because, see, this is the family versus ministry battle that we are in right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's showing up right here. Well, my wife, my husband, my kids, my whatever – not thinking in these positions, you are authorizing the deterioration of your and the infiltration of God's house mm-hmm. with all of these other gods, putting them before him. Well, and, and you know, I think because Christianity, because Christ is not real. As a matter of fact, Christ is less real to Christians than Christianity is. Yes. So yes. because he's not real, they figure, well, if Jesus isn't real. How could all these deities be there? Mm-hmm. But how often has it been the first lady or the first husband who decided, well, if you want me to stay with you, you then you have to, or you need to get rid of, or they need to let them, and, and all of those kinds of things. How often have we seen that? Well, changing service times and schedules for family, and I'm just, I'm talking about the standard of Ministry, but I, but we start with the standard. Yes. How about well, 
um, our leaders should all be able to take off on every one of their family's birthday. But if you if you got if you're a leader with oh. one wife and no kids, that's not so bad. Right. One wife and two kids, but you got seven. Sure. And then you have twenty grandkids. I have talked like now when I have grandparents that tell me, yeah, well, you know, my grandkids come first. I don't put them in position. That's never gonna happen. And you know why? Because you are already telling me that. Your family is the shot caller in your spiritual life and in your ministry service. So I'm not going to do that. I will not have, I don't do that. I won't do it. But I'm that's, telling you I won't. And that is a bad business practice. Thank you. Period. In any career where you are going into a corporate institution, won't not work it. from home, not stay at home, not by your own rules, you have an allotted amount of time off before you start suffering penalties. And if you burn through those all the time, they're going to cap you, mm-hmm. reduce you, contain you, because they realize and you have you out of position and power. Absolutely, because they realize you have a you have a conflict of interest, mm-hmm. and the company has to put people in place in the best interest of the company. Thank you, but isn't it so? I mean, let's think about it. When when you have a, that kind of a statement, you're already telling that ministry that there is going to be a conflict of interest. Yes. And when that conflict shows up, it's going to suffer. Yes. And I know that that didn't come out of God because God is not, he, he got plays to win. Now, if you feel that way, that's fine. You do it, take care of your business, whatever. If it becomes too much of a problem, I'm out. Because I got, I, listen, I put all these years in me, I got in this thing to win. I didn't get in this thing to be taken out by wives and children, husbands and kids, and that's not mamas and dads and all of that kind of stuff. And people say that to me because obviously they don't listen to enough of my broadcast. They really think that's a tearjerker for me. It's not. <laughs> I care about them being healthy. Yes. I care about your marriage working. I care about your children doing well. I mean, really care about them. Don't yes. fight you. Don't have children abused. Don't have spouse abused. Yes. Don't play that. No, no, no. But understand, my priority is not your family unit. Right. And you work very hard at seeing to it that the family unit is healthy. Yes, I do. That it's whole, that marriages are working, couples mm-hmm. are treating each other right. Could you remember your husband's birthday? Could yeah. you give your wife a gift? Could you take her out to dinner now and again? That's fine. But why does it have to be on my clock time? Right. See, and that's it. And we make everything that we're responsible in Jesus Christ on his clock, on his clock time. Mm-hmm. Now, everything else is non-negotiable. But Jesus, that's wiggle room. Wiggle, waggle. Well, because we really teach that. God gives us a family to become our first love and our first priority. Oh, sad for us. Yeah. I mean, the, if that's the God they talk about, y'all, I need to tell you that that's your deity because the one I've heard is I am the Lord thy God. Well, when you look in Scripture, and this isn't us, this is the Word of God. When you mm-hmm. look in Scripture, Moses and his wife, she had an issue. We see what happened there. David and his wife. She had an issue, at least the first one. We see what happened there. And on the line goes, Ezekiel, his wife died. My wife died, and that morning he said, that, what did he say? That night my wife died. died. That morning, morning I did what I was did told. Did what I was told. And, and on and on and on, the Lord is very clear and has always been very clear that he, his, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah, but, it, but isn't that where it began? Adam and his wife. The wife that didn't like the ministry. Come on, yeah. somebody, help me. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that never stopped God from, from he never moved the requirement or the mandate. Uh, he never took it off of them mm-hmm. when there was family fallout. and well, Because you know what? 
People have their jobs that are not church. Family has issues all the time. And they go to work. You can't come to my game because you're working overtime. You can't do this because whatever. Blah, 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 so on and so forth. And if they want to keep that job. Well, and I also think that very self-centered kids, we act like kids can't be self-centered. Well, children are. Because the most self, that, that self-centeredness is nature. That's their makeup. That has nothing to do with whatever. You could be preaching the gospel. You could be an attorney. You whatever. Yes. You're always going to have a self-centered kid. If you have more than one, one's going to be self-centered and the other one's going to be understanding. And we need to stop <laughs> making rules on the self-centered kid. And then they get grown and talk about, and that's why I'm miserable. If you're still stuck, baby, you're still a kid. That's your inner child because you need to, by the time you get growing up, first of all, you're holding down a job. Right. And you're not running home for all your kids crying either. See, but we don't give the whole story. You know, I like to give the whole story if yeah, I can, exactly. if I can figure it out. But we're not going to belabor this point. Let's get the rest of this in because we got a profit. I, I think I have said my point. You have a lot of them there. Yes. Well, this is last week's note. This is today's note. Okay. Yes. Oh, that makes me feel better. Yes. I was like, whew. So where's Prophet Adir? I would imagine, is she on the line? Because I know she was doing things. And she should be on the line. Are you, yes, I am are you on, on the line. <laughs> Yes, we don't have your pretty face today because you're getting ready for our weekend. Yes, yes, we are on location in um, downtown Tulsa at the Cox Business Center for the Kingdom Builders Summit this weekend and are doing the Business Expo right now. So hi, everybody from downtown Tulsa. Yay, hi. <laughs> well, uh, I... I <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm telling you, Dr. Price, the Paul Price show is good no matter where you're tuning in from. And um, the the discussion that you were having about, you know, Halloween and, and our kids, and I, I think that uh, it's really needed. We are, right now, Christianity is just such a hodgepodge, and um, we've got to get back to the place where we stand for something. You know, as, as Prophet Ashley discussed, you know, when we were kids, our parents were pretty hard-nosed about it. And uh, there has been a lot of softening of those those lines, um, where we are we are shy we shy away from standing firm on our Christian beliefs now. Um, that is where that's where we are. That's just where we are. The lines are really blurred, and and now a lot of things are left to interpretation that never really were. When I was a kid, it was never okay. None of my Christian friends did Halloween. It just wasn't a thing. <laughs> and so now it's 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 you know every family does their own thing and walks in their own way. And um, so the discussion, yes, it's a hard nosed topic, but it has to be discussed. And we have to get to the place where we're standing for something again. So I, I appreciated that discussion today. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. And I like what you said, standing for something, because right now we're falling for everything. And so we need to start. I like his thing again, regaining influence. You know, people may have a lot of difficulty with strong people, very decisive folks, but you know what they don't have is disrespect. And you know why? Because they're not going to change. Folks are very, we hear so few Christians that are just, no, this is not Christ, so it can't be me. Because that's really what our stance ought to be. This is not Christ. This is not Jesus Christ. This is not the Son of God that became flesh. So it can't be me. Not, well, you know, yeah, but he came to be flesh so he could be a little softer, more mellow. That is not how this works. But I appreciate what God is doing. Okay, guys, we're going to go over and allow uh, Prophet Adir to give her announcements. I want to say to everybody on Facebook and Periscope today, thank you for tuning in. Love you so much. You are powerful people. And continue to pray for me. I pray for you. 
and because your prayers do work, and it does release that boldness that is there for what God must say. Continue to pray for me, and I'll definitely continue to pray for you. Spread this around. Spread, 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 spread. You know, share, 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 and then spread some more so that the, those who have an ear to hear have an opportunity to listen to it. And until Sunday morning, Scripture Organic, Cultural Modified Christianity at the Congregation of the Mighty in Bigfield, Oklahoma. Have a great weekend. See you then. All right, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show this morning. You have been listening live on blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Want to let you know a few announcements as we get to your calls here in the second hour. You need to press number one if you'd like to speak with Dr. Price, and we can go ahead and get to your call. So, again, if you're just joining us on the line, press that number one so we can go ahead and get to your call. I want to give you guys just a few announcements this afternoon. want to make sure that you know how to reach us, how to get in touch with us, and what events are going on. So, first and foremost, if you're in the Tulsa area, Dr. Price will be speaking this Saturday afternoon at the Kingdom Believers Summit at the Cox Business Center in Tulsa. So again, she's going to be speaking Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock p.m. So if you're in the Tulsa area and you would like to hear her speak during this event, 3 to 3 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 28th of October at the Cox Business Center in downtown Tulsa. Kingdom Believers Summit is what the event is, and you can go to MarcusLHoward.com to get the instructions and the directions and details. The registration for this event is free. So again, come see her this Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Coming up in November, November 15th through the 18th, is our annual Apostleship Summit that is kicking off Wednesday evening with a dignitary's dinner at 7.30 p.m. That will be here in town. We invite you, we encourage you to come out. Even if you cannot attend the entire event, the dignitary's dinner, you can register just for that online at drpaulaaprice.com. Just click register for the summit and it will give you the option to buy a dignitary's dinner ticket. The dignitary's dinner is $50 per person. Of course, all your food and drink will be provided and our special guest will be Dr. John Swills of Oral Roberts University. So November 15th at 7.30 p.m., we kick off our Apostleship Summit with our Dignitaries Dinner at 7 o'clock, and you can register online at drpaulaaprice.com. If you'd like to, enti- to attend the entire event, we want you here. We're saving a seat for you. We encourage you to get your ticket now at drpaulaaprice.com. Regular registration is $125, $125 for individual registration, and you can get your tickets online at drpaulaaprice.com. The summit will wrap up on November 18th, the Saturday, November 18th by 2 p.m. And there will be a tour of Price University if you're going to be attending with us. So plan to stay on Saturday, the 18th. Sir, Sunday, we, we invite you to come to Sunday service. We always do a celebratory Sunday service from our event. So if you are flying in for the event and you'd like to stay over for Sunday, we will have Sunday services and we'll give you some information and details about how you can become a part of that. All right, so don't miss out on these upcoming events. And if you haven't liked Dr. Price on Facebook, go ahead and do that for us, facebook.com. Click like Dr. Paula Price. You can look up her handle there, facebook.com slash Apostle Paula Price. If you are a Twitter user, her handle there is at Dr. Paula Price. So we encourage you, stay involved, get involved with Dr. Price on social media so you'll always know when she is going live. And don't forget to save the day and join us here in Tulsa for our Apostleship Summit coming up next month, November 15th through the 18th. Prophet Ashley, back to you. All right, Prophet Adia, thank you for the updates, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome to PPM Global Resources, your one-stop ministry resource company. 
Whether ministry, professional, or personal, our products cover a diverse range of subjects, topics, and ministry issues that hit the center of where you are. If God has called you to it, we want to help you do it. Explore the possibilities to conquer your world. Where are you going today? Ready to launch your own ministry? Want to develop a ministry training program? Looking for credible ministry education? You want guidance or direction? Maybe you just want to discover who you are. If you are a purpose seeker, looking for fresh resources, new ministry solutions, and endless possibilities, then welcome to PPM Global Resources, a ministry and professional resources company dedicated to meeting the needs of the 21st century minister. Why choose PPM Global? Because you want something better. We help build your vision, educate you in your calling, train you to succeed, teach you valuable skills, equip you to achieve, release you to conquer your world. Our business is your interests, whether ministry, professional, or personal. Our products cover a diverse range of subjects, topics, and ministry issues that hit the center of where you are. Think of us as your personal vision support team. If God has called you to it, we want to help you do it. Your success is our passion. Check us out online or contact us at 877-649-PPMG. New Era Apostleship Restitution, or NEAR, is a kingdom collaborative founded by Dr. Paula Price that unites God's New Era ministries, visions and ventures, businesses and professionals in powerful, productive, and profitable ways that are mutually beneficial to all involved. Based on your level of membership, joining NEAR will give you access to assessment-based coaching and mentorship, personal ministry training and education, ministry credentialing and accreditation, spiritual covering and intervention, vision and ministry development, business and professional development, and more. Visit www.joinnear.com for membership and benefits information. That's www.joinnear.com. It is our pleasure to introduce you to Price University, a post-secondary school of specialized education that specializes in master's and doctoral academic programs for the Kingdom of God. Price University is unique because its vision expands the traditional Christian ministry education to include quality instruction of apostles, prophets, kingdom professionals, ecclesial, and entrepreneurs. Consequently, we make Christian ministry studies practical, effective, and powerful to profit our students beyond the classroom in their everyday world. Our four-point vision is credible apostolic and prophetic education, manifestation of the Lord's eternal kingdom in the now, and the ecclesia's dominance in human affairs and all nations in Christ and under God. Find out your place in Price University by visiting www.priceuniversity.org. Or call us today to schedule a consultation at 877-419-1299. Price University. Learn today. Lead tomorrow. 
stop by Dr. Price's website, www.drpaulaaprice.com, to join the email list, schedule a prophetic advisement, take an assessment, and join the NEAR Collaborative. You can also shop for products, book Dr. Price for your event, enroll in her webinars, register for events, and much more. Again, the website is www.drpaulaaprice.com www.drpaulaaprice.com Hello, my name is Prophet Dr. Rolf Spears and I'm the author of Coaching Leadership Families and I'd like to give you some really good news from Dr. Paula A. Price and PPM Global Resources. They have decided to appoint me as the new family advisor with a focus on encouraging, strengthening, and supporting apostolic, prophetic, and fivefold families in the body of Christ. I am honored to accept this position. And if you have any questions or you want more information or you'd like to schedule a family advisement, please contact Prophet Ashley Clater at 877-419-1299 or email us at admin at ppmglobalresources.com. Woo, what a first hour we had today, Dr. Price, on the Paula Price Show. You, again, breaking open some revelation on us about Halloween and yoga in the school system. This is why I love this show, because we can go anywhere and everywhere. I'm here. I know you thought I got home. I was like, are you there? I'm there. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, trying to get the, you know me and the, Come on, help me, Jesus. I'm trying to get it. Technology. <laughs> um, we got everything almost going. I'm trying to get the, the guy, the, who is the little guy with the boom thing? The, what? All right. Are we there? I'm here. And we had a, a great first hour. You were also jumping in on Solomon and Jeroboam. Um, and how things became a mess. Yes. Well, I finally found my way. You know, I had to find my way around the technology because, you know, when you go to the, to the panels and carrying on, I have to be a big girl. Listen, I am so excited about what God is doing, but my prayer is that the, the Christians understand the great damage that's been done to him and the massive uh, vehicles and agenda that's been used against him. If we, if, because I told you all in church one Sunday going back, I said, I don't care how it trickles down. We're struggling with the trickle down. Bottom line is this is all about eliminating Jesus Christ as the sovereign of sovereignty is. And it's always about destroying his authority, which he put in his church. So we could get all carried away about things, and, you know, because Christians, I mean, we have been, you know, just poorly trained so many levels, but in the end, let us all remember that the battle is, the assault is not against you any more than the hits a soldier takes is against that soldier personally. It's about who that soldier or that representative stands for, serves, and believes. Keep that in mind. All right, I'm ready. I got calls. I got some calls on my mind. So you're going to say something deep like that. Okay, here we go. First up is... (laughs) Jacqueline from New York, and she's calling in for uh, prayer for purpose and direction. Jacqueline from New York, welcome to the Paula Price Show. 
Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you, Jacqueline? You sound very good, cheery. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm doing well. Um, I'm excited. I've been waiting for Thursday for a while. <laughs> Feels like forever. Hope we did. <laughs> Hope we didn't disappoint you today, Jacqueline. Oh, no, it was awesome, awesome, awesome. I really, um, I really, I really think about, um, you know, everything that's going on and how watered down everything is and how everything has been. People use kids to mask evil, you know, and um, it really mm-hmm. hit home for me. <laughs> wow, it, 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 and I'm I'm glad. I hope it hits home with the rest of them. So tell me, what is on your mind? Um, well, this past weekend at my church, we had a conference, and one of um, the apostles you know, his name is James Fairbanks, he, uh-huh. told, me, he told me to um, get um, your prophet's dictionary, and I told him, well, I actually had bought it last year. And then he said, well, get, you, I want you to get the ABCs of apostleship. And then he said to, call, uh, to come on uh, this call um, and have you pray, he said, because there's something that's um, going off with my purpose and my destiny that he knew God would reveal to you and help me kind of pray through to move me to that next level. And so I'm being obedient, and I'm just excited. I, I, I'm just, I just want to move forward. I just feel like I've been on a merry-go-round with my purpose and kind of unsure. Um, so I'm just, just ready to hear what, you know, what, what, what God wants me to do and not what other people tell me to do and not what um, – you know, flesh might desire, you know? I do. Um, so, Jacqueline, I want to ask you a few questions. The first mm-hmm. question that I'd like to ask you is, um, how long have you been in your church, and what do you do there? I've been in my church. I was in college, so I, was, I wasn't able to be there steadily, but I joined about five years ago. Um, and currently right now, I do – um, help out in the kitchen. We do a lot of cooking um, and anything. We're a small church, um, so we kind of mm-hmm. just help each other um, do do a lot of things. And when we have conferences or anything, I usually help. Um, and also do like help with social media, um, record all of our church services and make sure they're on there and share them and stuff like that. Okay, now. There, you, since you have a concern about your purpose and your destiny, is there a purpose or has a purpose for you moving forward in your church been revealed yet? Um, I, what I've noticed in church a lot, um, God will give me a lot of words to share, um, and a lot of it will be confirmed. I don't know if it was – sometimes I, I kind of – I don't know. I was leaning more towards God. I feel like God told me to study a lot about the prophetic. Um, A lot of, um, I really, really enjoy praying a lot, but nothing nothing has specifically been called out. Um, I'm kind of just, yeah, I'm kind of just. Well, you're in wait mode. Um, Let me say this. My first recommendation to you Jacqueline, is that you go online after the show to Dr. Paula Price, PaulaAPrice.com, and um, click take an assessment. You need an assessment. My, my first step for you is to take that MAQ. When you do that, 
and you've gone through the portal and completed it, there you will get a notification to schedule a 30-minute advisement to re- review your results. When mm-hmm. I, you know, there was a time, Jacqueline, when people called me like this, I thought, gee, I have to kind of figure up something and conjure up something and stab in the dark and open. I developed a system that takes all of that out of the process. So I can mm-hmm. expedite this with hard data. You said you were in college, so you understand assessments and their value to your future. <clears throat> so my thought is that if you take an assessment, then we can start at what those results are. So let me give you a little backstory. The assessment is going to tell you your, your dominant gift, the thing that pops up before all else. It's then going to reveal to you your secondary one, and you definitely want that one because that's the one that's going to serve the first one. The third thing it's going to tell you is your best environment because there are a lot of people who are in purpose, who are in the, in the office or ministry they're called to, and in God's service, in the wrong place. And so mm-hmm. the place has everything to do with it. And I'm not saying that's your case because I really don't think so. But uh, it'll tell you that. It'll tell you your um, emotional intelligence quotient, which means that, that it'll tap into the things that will make you drop out on God or drop the ball when, when life happens. And then it'll give you your uh, readiness quotient, which will tell you how ready you are to do what God not only built but ordained you to do. From there, you'll get your strengths, you'll get your weaknesses, your threats, and then you'll get a readiness map that will map out the process and the, the order in which you should prepare yourself to serve God. So those are, that's hard data, and that's data that's strictly based on the Word of God. That is it. Nothing else. We, uh, I didn't use anything else outside of that. I might have used, uh, my, of course, my education, my experience etc. But the data and the, the, the data reporting that comes from the word of God, because that's what you come to a prophet and apostle for. So my suggestion to you is let's start there. Let's start right at that assessment, get that 30 minute advisement. And then afterwards, you'll be asked if you want to in, engage in a uh, enroll in our university or engage in a ministerial life advisement. Now, you don't, you don't have to enroll in for a degree because we have a number of non-degree things that talk about just what you mentioned, liking to pray, getting words from God, you know, uh, studying your Bible. We have a program that is just, I think, perfect for you that is, you know, that's going to teach you about, you know, uh, you know, moving in, uh, developing an apostolic, you know, uh, apostolic awakening. There is a, a whole kit, and it's, a, it's kind of like a kit-like service, but you can take that. Now, if that's what the, the uh, results say, but what if the result says the prophetic is your secondary gift, not your dominant one? Well, then all of those things that you say you like to do, you can put a whole lot of intention in them, but that's not what's going to drive your purpose forward. So that is what mm-hmm. makes the assessment important. Does that sound like something that you'd be interested in? I definitely want to take your assessment. I have taken a spiritual gift test before, um, and I got three uh, prophetic exhortations, and I think those were – those are sticking out. Those are sticking out to me. Oh, and teaching, teaching. Okay. Now, and, and, I, and, and so, and, but I think you would because ours is going to give you a lot more data. For example, we don't just give you an itemized list. We give you um, information on what to do with your list. I think those um, inventory, those are more inventory. 
I think those inventory and type indexing things are good, but we give mm-hmm. you a life plan. We take you from, right. hey, I'm taking a segment to, wow, I just finished training. And so all of that information is mapped out for you. So we are more of a mapping out of mm-hmm. who you are than we are then a guiding tool, as an instrument to guide you to your decisions. So it's going to be interesting for you to take the, the uh, MAQ. If it says, uh, Jacqueline, that you are a prophet, then you will be encouraged to take our prophetic aptitude questionnaire, which is going to place you within the sphere of the prophetic. Okay, awesome. I really look forward to uh, taking it, and it's on the website. Uh, yeah, when you go to the website, go to Dr. Uh, www.drpaulaaprice.com, hit take an assessment. When you see your options, hit MAQ, Minister's okay. Aptitude Questionnaire. Don't take any other yet because it, it, it could be a waste of money for you, and we don't want that to happen. So I'm mm-hmm. going to pray now, but I think, uh, I think that's the best place to begin to answer your questions. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Father God, thank you so much for Jacqueline. Thank you for her love for you, Lord, her service and commitment to you. Lord, all I see around this woman is commitment to you. She's committed to your will, committed to your purpose, committed to your way of life as best as she can understand it. So, God, I thank you for bringing her into your your, uh, preparatory fold, bringing her into that place, Father, where she can begin to serve you and she can begin to understand how to do so. I thank you for putting a training mantle on her so that she can fulfill all of the readiness and preparatory requirements that she needs to succeed. Because, God, this lady is 100% marked for great success in your kingdom, and I thank you that you let nothing derail it. In Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, so much, so much. You're, you're, you're very welcome. God bless. Have a great day. You as well. God bless. Thank you so much again. Uh-huh. Keith? Uh, RK, what are you, RK2 or something? Help me. Ashley, I can't remember. I'm like, <laughs> I like that. But you know what I like? Ashley, you hang with me. You stay with me. I can, you just, uh, just jump on in, get it right, and let's move on. All right, next we have on the line Cheryl from Tulsa. It's our Cheryl, and she's calling in uh, for prayer for a work situation. Cheryl from Tulsa, welcome to the Paula Price Show again. Thank you, Prophet Ashley. Good morning, Dr. Price, or good afternoon, I guess now. Uh Well, good afternoon, Cheryl. How are you? I'm doing overall pretty good. Amen. What's up? Why are you our call? This goes in line with what you were talking about today. I'm having a work situation where they are uh, not only celebrating Halloween, but they are decorating everybody's cubicles for Halloween. I've already told them that I will not participate, that I don't do Halloween. And they are making things very difficult and uncomfortable for me here. Um, They have pretty much said that we will either decorate or contribute money. So I feel like I'm having being extorted for money for something that I don't believe in. Um, but it's just it's becoming a very awkward and uncomfortable situation, and I just need some prayer to deal with it gracefully. Well, the first thing I need you to know, and all of you all listening to me, 
whether I don't care what your job say, you have a right to your religious convictions. They don't have a right to impose on your religious conviction. That's what the whole battle has been about. And right now we are in a season where we can maintain our religious convictions. I think that the, you might need to go to a supervisor or higher up because these people may not understand that to them it's about you should be willing to have fun with us. And, but to you, they are in, encroaching upon your religious convictions. You have a right to say that your religion does not honor Halloween. You're, that, that is a, that's a religious right, and they have no right to impose that on it or to, or to uh, threaten your job stability or security as a result of it for a holiday, for a party. You know, you don't do that. You let them know. When you all get to Christmas, I'm going to work with you all day long. But this year, we don't do. But you have to, you might need to write a letter. Are you talking about they're making it difficult to you? I think they're difficult for you. You might need to, you know, speak to the supervisor again or whoever your immediate supervisor again is and let them know this is a religious conviction and this one day should not create a religious issue for your organization. I may have to go to the HR because it's my supervisor that's causing me the problem. Well, then, it, but but, you, but at least let your supervisor know that this is what is happening because he or she may not understand what they're doing. A lot of people may not understand what they're doing, especially considering we've been under the Antichrist, you know, stamp down Jesus and destroy all Christians, you know, agenda for such a long period of time. They may not have awakened to the fact that you have rights. Your job is not supposed to dictate or encroach upon your religion. You have a religious conviction, it is not yours. If you told them that you were a Jew and you couldn't eat pork, they would not try to force you to eat pork. If you told them that you could not, if you were another religion and your religion, you, you, they, they can't force you to do it. They cannot force you to subject or abandon your religious beliefs because of their holiday celebration in the workplace, which to me is kind of crazy. So you, you might have to do that, and then after that, you do what you need to do. But at least you can put it in writing because you can't just have scripture. You know, people always say, that's not what I understood. I didn't say that. No, put it in writing. You and the harassment that I'm feeling, I feel pressed. I feel like I'm being harassed. I feel like that I should not be compelled to get involved in something that is against my beliefs. Halloween is a religious holiday. I don't care how much Satan tried to tell you it's otherwise. It's a religious holiday. It started under Christendom. It started in the Christian church in the medieval eras and all of that. It's a religious holiday, and certainly it's a spiritual one. And if it's a spiritual one, spirits have religion. So that's really where we are. You need to write it out. Do not have another verbal conversation because it's going to make you look like when, you come, when it comes up against you, it's going to be a whole other thing. This is what I want to give you. I'm telling you this. I'm leaving my record of how it's been happening here. But I'm telling you, if this continues, then I'm going to take this higher because my religious rights are being violated. Fair enough? Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you in Jesus' name for all that you're doing and all that you've done. I bless you, Holy Father. I bless you, bless you, bless you. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to step into this situation, and I'm asking you to be the peacemaker in this, Lord Jesus. And I'm asking that you would give your child grace and favor in this matter. And, Lord, I stand down the spirit of Halloween. You are not legitimate. You are an illegal encroachment in the spirit realm. You are an illegal encroachment on the Christian faith, and I stand you down. I stand you down in the name of Jesus in this matter. You will back down, and you will release the, the child of God in this thing, and there will be no repercussions. There will be no backlash. There will be no retaliation, and whoever tries to retaliate on this issue in this matter, I personally disemploy by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus. Let it be so. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Take care. All right. Prophet, I got it right this time. Did you hear me, Prophet? (laughs) All right. Okay, we have next up Marcus from Connecticut. Marcus is calling for two things. He has a question for you uh, about gospel artists recording with secular artists, and then he has a prayer request because he is entering into grad school and would just like prayer and insight from you concerning that. So uh, Marcus from Connecticut, welcome to the Paul Price Show. Thank you so much. Hello, Dr. Price. Hello, Marcus. Glad you called today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for talking about Halloween. That was awesome. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate your, your kindness, and I thank you for mentioning it. So tell me, what's going on with you in Connecticut? Okay, well, my first thing is a question. There are so many gospel artists that are doing songs with secular artists, and it's usually like the raunchiest, most vile secular artists. And there's always this argument that gospel artists are making that, well, you know, we're trying to reach people and we're trying to reach an audience, but it just doesn't seem right. And I would just like for you to comment on that from God's perspective. Well, the first thing, if they got to turn raunchy, they don't represent Jesus Christ. They are defectors. These people, these artists are apostates. They have apostatized from Jesus Christ because if our goal is to reach people, then they should be singing Christian hymns. Mm-hmm. If that's our goal, and so right. they should be, we should be converting them to, you know, you know, how grateful is our God and all of that kind of stuff. But if they are converting them, which is what's happening, and I've been following this trend, if they are, if the Christian artist is being converted, then he is the, 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 uh, defecting from Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus was very clear. He said, "You cannot serve God and man, mammon. You'll either love the one and hold to the one and hate the other." And so. These people are not serving Jesus Christ. They have made their living. They have decided that they want to get bigger, but they are not Christian artists any longer. They are trying. The reason they're maintaining their Christian hold is because they don't want to lose their Christian audience and their Christian buyers. But they do. They they have they cut a deal in the back room, the rooms that you all don't know exist, on some little prayer session when they went to somebody's party and met the devil, and they made a decision to try to make evangelism a hybrid effort. Evangelism is not a hybrid effort. 
It is Jesus Christ wow. and Jesus alone. And anything you add to it means you have defected from Jesus Christ. So, no, they're not serving Jesus. Trust me, these guys have all gotten together. I've looked at them on their little, their little um, uh, what do you call them, God, uh, uh, promotion, promotional material and all of that. Mm-hmm. Listen to mm-hmm. the body of Christ. I say this as the chief apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been 30 years faithful to God. I've had every kind of temptation that you can think of in that time for, my, for that period. And one thing I do know, Jesus is a jealous God. He said, thou shalt have no other God before me. He said, do not take up the ways of the nations around you. He said, do not follow a person who uses the name of Jesus, or Newton, the name of God, or Yahweh in this case, and yet does the acts of his adversaries. And all of those kinds of things, there is nothing in Scripture to celebrate this thing that they're doing, or either to corroborate it at all, because the gospel came from heaven to earth. It did not come up from hell to flesh. Oh. Thank you. That is that is powerful and that's very insightful. Thank you. You're very welcome. And I want to say to all of you all who are listening, stop buying these people's music because you are a partaker in their deeds and your money is financing their rejection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Stop buying their music. Stop going to their concerts. Stop watching them online. Stop promoting them. Because God can take it out, but if you all want to keep picking it up, it's like somebody throwing out the trash and you keep going back to get it and clean it up and put it back out in public. Stop supporting these defectors because the only reason they continue to succeed is you. You are the one. Your money is paying for it. Your, your uh, posts are supporting it. Stop it. If you believe that Jesus Christ is holy, then stop paying the perverters of his holiness to take him out. Because I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, your money will dry up, I promise you, and your ventures will not succeed. Because they, they are attacking Jesus because they know who he is. You are supporting them because you think you're being a good Christian. You're not. You are being a, a, a participant or partaker of the deeds. When Jesus looks at you, when you buy those albums and when you buy those, those uh, CDs or whatever else you get, and when you download them and get that music, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you as a Christian that's trying to be uh, fair-minded. He looks at you as an enemy of his state and an wow. en- enemy of his cross. That's what he looked at. He said these people are enemies of the cross because they would not let it crucify them, that their old men would die, that their old selves would die, and the life of Christ would come alive in them taking its place. These are enemies of the cross of Christ. And that's Bible, because they can't find a Bible statement for what they're doing. So they're trying to hit your emotions. I'm telling you, biblically, that is not God. So everybody out there, yeah, write it down. Dr. Price says, stop buying these people's records. Stop going to their shows. Stop supporting evil. Stop bankrolling evil. Stop that. You're watching all of these shows. You are supporting so many things against Jesus Christ, and then you wonder why he won't answer your prayers. The man's affronted. He's offended. And he's disturbed. He's angry. And you yourself are making, your, making him look at you as a partaker of their deeds. So you might as well be the one. You might as well be the, be the defector as to buy the stuff that, that causes you to have to make a choice. Choose Christ. 
Don't buy their man. They're gonna put somebody. They're gonna put together some sort of little trashy Christmas album. Don't buy that. You know what I mean? Samuel Jackson reading the Bible. Don't buy that. They don't <laughs> like Jesus. He hates Jesus. I'm telling you, this man hates Jesus Christ, and he'd do anything to take him out. Don't buy that. Don't go to these movies and they they want to have they want to say don't buy one little trashy little uh, intoxicated Christian you know, Christmas album. Don't do that. Stop it. Stop bank rolling sin. And it will fall just like it made Christianity fall and elevate the Lord Jesus Christ. Be good stewards over your money. Be good stewards even over your recreation and your entertainment. Stop that. No, I got hot. I'm going to call up your market. Got me all hot. I got to come on down off the wall again. I don't even have my car over here. Stop nothing. But I'm telling you, don't slap nothing. Stop buying them. There are things that I won't do. You're going to get these people buy a whole secular album and buy it because of one Christian song. But they wouldn't buy a whole Christian album for one secular song. Mm. Yeah. You have got to take care of our king. People, hear me. We have got to do a better job of taking care of our sovereign because we're letting him get, pumped, get, letting him get pummeled all over the place. And the only reason he's not acting on it is because to act on it, he's got to take out cities and states, family lines, and genetics. Jesus is being merciful for a reason. He is not a punk. He's telling you, I'm going to let you, let you and your family do this and let the consequences work their work. Because if I get involved, there won't be any you or your family or your children or your children's children. This is mercy. He said his long suffering is to lead us to repentance. And God is hoping these people will repent before he has to step in and judge their lives. It's a big deal. This thing called Jesus Christ and create big deal. Okay, next question. Oh, yes. <laughs> wow, you just. I know you forgot my... yourself too, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my second request was just uh, for prayer. I'm in the process of applying to graduate school. And I would like for your prayers. Well, if you're going to do well in graduate school, what are you going for, Marcus? Uh, I would like to get a Ph.D. in history. Uh, that'll be good. We need that because, you know, saints need to recognize that it still exists. One thing I will say to you, I'm going to pray for you, Marcus, right now. But one thing I want mm-hmm. to say for you is that you have got to watch your friends when you go to school. You have relationships that are just very familiar, but they are not ready for what's going to uh, be the end of your education. And then you have some people who just always distract you. I just, I just, just distract you. It's so, and, and it's such a, uh, an ingrained thing in the spirit that you can start doing homework, you can start doing something serious, start reading your Bible, the calls are going to come, pop in, whatever. You have got to be very selective about your time management and your social interactions. So when you get in, because you're going to get in, my prayers work, you're going to get in, but when you get in, you're going to have to recognize that a whole lot of oppositional things will want to rise up because of your family tree and because of your parents' um, history and your parental lineage. Hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you're with them or not. It's just a matter of the authorization. So do that. Make sure you get a, I mean, stay in, obviously stay in God, stay in church, stay in prayer. But you have to be the master of your schedule 
and your events. Wow. Wow, I don't know what to say, but thank you. That is, yeah, I do see time management as something that I have to. Yeah, and friend management because yep. you're such a, you want to help everybody. You're the guy that's going to do all, got a midterm coming and they're going to spend all Saturday all day helping somebody move. See, that kind of stuff, uh-uh, that's not going to work for you. <laughs> 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 you are. And then sit there and talk about, Lord, you got to help me. I'm not ready and whatever. And then you're going to blame the devil because you didn't get the grade you wanted. No, that was distraction. Okay. Father God, God, thank you for Marcus, and thank you for the rich life you have upon him and his devotion and commitment to you. Father God, there is none like you in all the heavens and none like you in all the earth. And I thank you for you tapping this young man to be a great hero for you in the future. God, I thank you that hero spirit is all around him. And that's why his friendships and his connections and interactions are so important. It is vital that he keeps good company, powerful company, and positive company as he gets ready to be used of you in the time of life that you've ordained. Now, Lord, I speak to the school system. First of all, I speak to him and get him ready. I open your mind. I give you the the mind and the heart of the, the, the school that you're sending, the application process, and everything involved. I give you that in Jesus' name. And then I speak to the school, and I, I command him to be put on enrollment status and, Lord, to be given all the aid and assistance he needs to pass and complete this process to complete his education in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you hang up, Marcus, I'm going to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Um, in today's time, it is not hard to be prepared. It is easier to be prepared in this window of time that we have in planet than it's ever been. So go look up your school. Study everything about it. Study everything about getting into the program. Study everything about their consciousness, their concepts, and what they want to do. Go look at their mission statements and all of those kinds of things. You don't have to go blind. You can go prepared, even down to the interview uh, that you'll have or the paper that you have to write. All of that does not have to be a mystery any longer. It's out there. Go find it. Dig it up and prepare yourself. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Price. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. God bless. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. All right. Prophet Ashley, I think I think we can eat through another. Is that true or am I just deceiving myself? You know what? Today, actually, your last caller that we'll have time for has a praise report. So I think this would be the perfect way to end the Polar Price show today. This is Irena from yes, Irena from Louisiana, and she's calling to give you an update. Irena, welcome back to the Paul Price Show. Thank you, Ashley. Hi, Doctor Price. God bless you. Hi, I love Irena. you. I'm kind of like that. I can't wait till Thursday to get here either. <laughs> I got a praise report. Um, I'm ready. And brother, my um, Texas and. Everything was well. It wasn't cancer. It was just scarring from the previous surgery that I had. So I give God the glory for that. <laughs> I thank God for that. And thank God for you, Dr. Price, your prayers. I love you. Oh, I thank God for you. Oh, thank, thank you for calling 
can let us know what the results were. It's always helpful for us to hear these praise reports so we know that we are making impact that people recognize. So all of you listening to me, don't hold back the praise reports. You know, don't go, when you get them and they're, they're confirmed, let us know we're not only making it happen, we're also on the move, and the fruit is popping out there. I need these for praise reports because they're good fruit for me. So God bless Amen. you. Let me pray for you before you go Amen. again. Lord, I thank you for Irena. I thank you for her family. Lord, yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God, thank you. I thank you for her family. I thank you that this Christmas is going to be very special for her family. And I, I don't see all of it, is, but I do see one son coming home and getting settled in the family unit. I also thank you for her job and her dignity. Hey, Jesus, we call him home. We call him clean. We call him holy ghost. We call him Thank in all fire. Hey, fire Thank you, Father. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Oh, God. Thank, God. Thank you for that, because that's confirmation, because I was on a home, one of my homegirls. She's a pastor. She had a prayer line at 6 o'clock, so we was on there, and then she said that God was getting ready to deliver one of my sons. That he's tired, he's tired from that addiction that he has. He had a gambling spirit, you know what I'm saying? And God know I have been praying and praying and praying for him. And I got so frustrated at one time, I just was getting tired, you know. And I was telling them that we get tired, but we can't give up on them, you know. Uh-huh. And I well, put it in the hands of God. So I received it. Well, God is answering your prayer. He's answering it very quickly. And that just may be your Christmas present. Jesus. I receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Price. I'm excited. Thank you, Father. Prophet Ashley. All right. That's it. That's it? So, hey, Prophet Ashley, let's talk for a minute. We got a couple of minutes, right? How much time we got? Oh, I'm, I'm looking at my uh, You have about a minute and a half. Okay, so we're not going to do that. That's we're going to have too much longer than ninety seconds. All right, I just wanted to see if you could give a a quick um, comment on uh, Marcus's first question about gospel artists and secular artists blending. Well, it's a it's a subject that honestly I would love for you to uh, address even further because it's so controversial, so uh, prevalent in the body of Christ, and now with a lot of the old guard doing this, uh, I think it's causing even more confusion. You know, up-and-coming young people, you're like, well, they're just young, they're just whatever. But some of these saints doing this have been around a long time, and it's causing a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. So I, whenever he said it, I was like, oh, yes, he's going to get fired up about this. Yeah, I did. Wait, the biggest thing that you have to recognize is that God says, those who endure to the end will say, not those who begin. God does not be- guarantee beginners eternal life uh, until they finish, they leave this planet. If they are saved and they're with him, these, these artists had defected from Jesus Christ, and they are what Paul calls castaways. Yeah. Paul said, no, I don't want to have done right by God and all of that kind of stuff, and I myself get cast away. In other words, when I get to the end of my life, I'm no longer serving Jesus Christ in truth. These are castaways. And because Jesus said, just remember, I'm leaving you today, 
and we'll get together again on Sunday. But understand this word. God said, those who endure to the end. And if you don't, if you remember, Ashley, I did a whole teaching on Ezekiel 33 about when a righteous man turns from his righteousness, none uh-huh. of the righteous done will be remembered by the Lord. That's Bible. Hey, great afternoon. Great show. I am gone. I love you all. God bless. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Show a Seed. Donate today.